Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there from Endless Events is the wide Will Curran. Oh, you know, Will, Will 2 by 4 can't fit through the kitchen door. Uh, <laughs> and it's that a random man adjective generator, folks. It was not my, it was not my fault. <laughs> and that man from Event Technology Consulting, Mr. Brant Kruger, is very, very spicy, the spicy I am spicy today. today. That worked out well. Spicy. Uh, you know, Will and I were discussing spicy? before the show what we were going to be talking about today, and I was like, I'm feisty, just so you know. I'm in a feisty <laughs> mood today, so whatever it is we're going to talk about, we're going to argue about it. So, Will, what, what are we like going to talk about today? <laughs> Yeah, so actually this comes hot on the news of today, and we know that obviously we record these in batches and you know ahead of time, so this might come out a little bit afterwards. But today I read the news that Hoppin rides on the pandemic-driven boom and online events to raise $5.65 billion valuation, raised another $400 million for Hoppin. Um, and yeah, everyone's like, that. it's a unicorn, they raised tons of money, and this is like, I think, only like a month after they raised another big amount, they they, they bought StreamYard, um, and I think I'm hearing these news, like, at least once a week I hear, a, this person in the virtual event space just got a huge investment, and it's growing like crazy, and everything like that, so, I, I don't know, like, I rather than just talk about Hopin and their software and stuff, I wanted to talk about just, yeah, investments as a whole, um, and almost about you know to bring on a little bit of the feistiness is that like why it doesn't matter because i think <laughs> too many people get so excited they're like oh yeah look at all this money coming into the events industry and all these things like that let's talk about it all so much this i feel like you and me who have been doing this for a while now at this point like this is the 700th company that's like raised a billion dollar valuation <laughs> and right. you know <laughs> Well, this goes I, back. I this goes back to you know. This was happening before, and and so well before the pandemic, well before this this new gold rush of of creating event platforms uh, started, um, or land rush or whatever analogy you want to use, um, flood shall we say of of new uh, of online event platforms. Um, you know, this was happening with our event apps. And so, you know, one of the big first ones that I can remember that attracted attention from outside the industry was Double Dutch. And I remember and it was it was like seventy seven million dollars, uh, which at the time Still I was no just money like, to like that's not it was so much money. that's so much money for an events industry company to get. And, you know, we watched the rise and fall of of Double Dutch. And I've told this story uh, on this podcast before that, you know, it's to your point of does it even matter? The answer is no, because you know they, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting their new salesperson and their new head of marketing very early on, and within thirty seconds, I could tell they didn't know anything about events, and that's important, I think, in this industry if you want to succeed, is actually knowing your audience, knowing your knowing your 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 subject matter, um, rather than being a software a solution that is, you know, a software. Uh, as a solution that's in search of a problem um, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. is a long way to get around it. And so, you know, looking through this, so it has, it, it started there, but then we were starting to see big investments in event apps, um, right leading up to 
lockdowns. Um, but I think we need to be really clear that investments are bets. They're bets saying that we think that given enough money, this product is going to take off to the point where we not only make that money back, but make a crap ton more money off of it. <laughs> and, you know, that we're going to see a return on that investment. That's always what they're looking for. So when you see a Goldman Sachs getting involved in the event industry through investments, they're looking to see a return on that investment. Financial so, return. A financial return, exactly. An actual financial, not not our mysterious ROI that sometimes we talk about in <laughs> events, where it's return on experience. No, they want money. <laughs> they want cash. Cash money. Um, and so uh, when we look at something like this, and this is not commentary on the quality of Hopin as a product, they're just making a bet. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, a lot of it is name recognition at the point. Like Hopin's been in the news because oh, they exactly. made the acquisition. And when you start to hear Hopin, 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 investors start to go, oh yeah, Hopin, I've heard of them. Let's take a look at their balance sheet. Let's see how things are going. Oh yeah, this looks like this could be something oh, good. Wow, there's so many customers coming in. And what so they're not doing is on. going on the platform and 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 using it. So it, it's not a reflection of quality, which unfortunately I think sometimes people assume that because someone's getting a ton of money, it's a reflection of quality. Now, again, I am not saying that in any way that, that Hopin is a bad platform. I'm just saying we have to be careful about these things. Totally, totally. And I think I think that's such a great revelation too that, you know, yeah, we, we sit here and hear all, well, you think to yourself, well, okay, well, they got so much money. So they have so much money and they must have unlimited resources to make things happen. Well, there's going to be a certain point where as Hopin starts to scale, and this is maybe starting to turn on to a business, Will puts his business entrepreneur hat on, but at a certain point where you can only scale so fast, right? And because you get this flood of money, though, it actually might lead to worse changes in quality, right? But because when you don't have any money, you have to make sure that you're doing everything right. You can't afford to lose a customer because if you lose a customer, you're going to miss payroll, right? Like you got to do this the right way to do this. But when you start to get so much cash influction into it, you start just being like, yeah, you know what? Um, let's invest money into uh, marketing and things like that and make yourself look really, really good. And again, this one, then it starts to feed into that cycle, that kind of like that brand recognition that you're talking about. And, you know, I definitely 100% agree that, you know, it can actually, I'll take it even further that like, not only can it not be a good reflection on uh, what is good or not, and I've used Top in a couple times, and it's pretty, I think it's pretty slick, it's clean, it's got this great interface. But just because they're getting all this money doesn't mean that, hey, even the small company that raised all their money, I know a platform, and I don't know if this is public information, so I don't think I can share this. <laughs> Careful. Uh, but Maybe, may, I don't know, but I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I know a company that's very, very proud about the fact that they've never raised outside capital. And Endless is that similar way as well. Hasn't raised outside capital, but I think that when you look at that, they just figure out how to scrap and do things the best way they can. They're so laser focused. In fact, the, they're like really building their software for the customer. And they're not like blowing money into, you know, marketing expenses and things like that. Not that marketing is a bad thing, but I think that you get so much more laser focused when you're just having to bootstrap and make things work. For all the hoppins we hear about raising millions and millions of dollars, I bet you there's 50% of these platforms that haven't raised any money in the last 12 months and are doing just as well and might be more healthy in the end, you know, when it comes to two years, three years. 
or he might see another double touch situation. Yeah, or it's, or it's it's a it's you know, or they're doing it quietly, right? They're doing quiet rounds oh, yeah. of money and not doing giant you know public announcements of. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, these things have to be public, but, you know, just maybe doing a little quieter. But, you know, that there's also mind share there, right? With that, like I said, you know, when you hear the name over and over and over again, it's like, you know who I've heard is good. It's like it's like the boots that follow you around on the Internet because you looked at them <laughs> once. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, I think I like those boots. Someone says, like, hey, have you ever seen a Tesla Model 3 before? No, no, no. And they show you it and you're like, oh, that's a pretty cool car. Now you see it everywhere, right? Um, oh, the car so analogy is exactly, yeah. You, as soon as you get a new car, you see that car everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. You're like, oh, I never saw a model a right. Tesla before a Model 3. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. So, so I got another crazy analogy for this whole situation, too. So, like, I think your thought about, like, quality, I think, really hits home with a lot of our audience right now, too, and understanding, like, should I even be paying attention to what Hoppin's doing? But one way I think to think about, I'm going to equate this 100% this analogy to Hopin is the next Eventbrite. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, Eventbrite's a big company. They are a huge company. I think they're still huge even after they scaled back during the pandemic. Um, and, but yet, the biggest corporate events, the biggest events in the world didn't use Eventbrite for the registration. It, But what it did is it appealed to the mass market of people who need to quickly get it up you know like imagine like uh your your your, your friends who are like hey i'm gonna have a you know a tailgate party and i want to sell tickets to it they're probably using eventbrite to be able to do it and so i think very much so and again like i'm just knowing how hopin works and it's self-service and things like that i think they're moving towards that market so i think also for all of our vent tech companies that are listening right now I, i'm not really even i don't think many of them have to be worried about hopin because i think they're gonna get build this humongous company that will reach a huge market but won't tap into the the big pie events that we I think a lot of us actually rather do than try to do a thousand birthday parties. We'd rather do, you know, one gigantic Intel conference, for example. It's a, it's an interesting analogy. Yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think Zoom would probably be in a similar category mm. where, um, you know, early on, it was just the one that most people were using. And so they continued to use it. Um, they continued to innovate. They continue. You know, I had my Zoom account before we locked down um, because it was the one that was the most stable and we were using it for some of our other shows. And and so every time you would try and move us onto a new platform, I'm like, can we just do it in Zoom? It just works, come on, <laughs> dude. And so, you know, it was, uh, you know, and there were reasons that we didn't, uh, but you know, for, for the most part, it just worked. And that's why I chose it as the one that I was using for video platforms and why I'm using it on a lot of the projects that I'm using now is that it's a nice blank canvas that we can then paint upon and build our event over the top of rather than getting sucked into all the features and fit and finish and the chrome you know we can concentrate on the event the conversation itself those kinds of things um the other interesting thing uh, that uh, you said before was this idea of the, the the money not necessarily being a good thing um, I think that's absolutely true, that, that when you are bootstrapping and you're, you're trying to make every penny count and it's your cash that's on the line uh, because you're an investor or you're an owner uh, of a company, there's a very different mentality. And sometimes when that money flows in, if you're not used to it, if you're not used to dealing with, you know, capital, um, and I'm not sure if that's the right term, but it, yeah, no, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, then then you're not necessarily going to be good at managing that money. And, you know, 
and I don't mean to pick on Double Dutch, but you know they're gone, so it's it's easier to pick on someone who's not around anymore than someone who is. Um, But you know they initially spent a ton of money on their their trade show booths and things like that. You know, and they had people in gorilla costumes running around. It's like, oh, that's what you do with seventy seven million dollars. Um, so <laughs> money doesn't always necessarily make things better. Like you said, it's, it's, it, you're going to be more strategic about how you spend your money and where you invest it um, when you're a little limited. Totally, totally. And, and, and as much as we're picking on Double Dutch, too, you just look at this across Silicon Valley. I'm sure if you Google companies yeah. who got huge investment and then blew it all, you know, sometimes you'll hear more fantastical stories about how it gets blown in, you know, two, three shortly years. But a lot of times, too, it's a slow burn. The company just slowly starts declining across the board. Um, for anybody who's interested in any of this stuff, by the way, I highly recommend the show Silicon Valley on HBO. It's obviously like a satire, and a lot of it's about jokes. But I watched that show, and as somebody who has seen all of this before, it's ex- it's so true. It's so true to home. And I'm pretty sure I, I need to rewatch the show because now it's been off the air for like two years or so. I'm sure – I don't think it's a spoiler at all, but I think there's a point where they raise a ton of money. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we get fantastic offices. And then they end up right back in the garage right. because they end up burning it all. It ends up going to crap, all, all the horror stories that you hear about um, on it. And I think that that's a very, very, very good an- analogy with it too. And I, I think your, your analogy too of that, the idea of like using Zoom and things like that is smart. I'll, I'll admit this. I'll say this on this podcast. And I'm about to get like booze in the email inbox. Feel free to boo me, eventtechpodcast.helloendless.com. But when we were, um, when I was running the comms for the international live events, Association chapter for Arizona, I used Eventbrite for all of our registration. And this is after we used a more complex system. And I was like, let's just use Eventbrite. It's easy. And I recommended Eventbrite over and over again. And even to the point where we end up getting a big gigantic association management software. And I was like, we're not going to use this. We're going to use Eventbrite still because it's just so damn easy to use. Right. And it, when you don't have time, like, let's just make it work. I'm willing to, you know, give up complex registration flows, ability to check memberships on it, you know, to make it so we have to manually check if the person's a member or not, if they pay that price and refunds and things like that. I think that that's an exact analogy, I would say, along that same scenario. So. <laughs> you know, I think the other thing that, that I struggle with, and 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 I'm not, oh, by the way, if Lawrence Coburn wants to come on here and tell me I'm an idiot. Uh, Lawrence, you know, for, we'd for, love for to have you on, on the yeah, show. For picking on Double Dutch. You, you are more than welcome to come on and tell me I'm an idiot. We love Lawrence. Um, uh, or anybody who used to work for them, that if I've got it wrong, and I'm, you know, and I'm an idiot. Come on, tell me. Uh, so, yeah, what, what was it? The Event Tech Podcast at, at Hello Endless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll expect a calendar invite. Right, coming exactly. Our way. <laughs> um, so, so, so all of these things, you know, Will and I are not, you know, great investing minds necessarily. But I think there's a certain GameStop feel of this and, 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 and nothing against GameStop, by the way. We've, we've talked to some of the planners that worked at GameStop. I'm guessing worked at this point, just because things aren't going great, but maybe still do. Um, And, uh, but this whole investment thing with Reddit and all of that is, is to a certain extent, once you just start hearing something, it's like, oh, I'm hearing games, games, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, then people start to pile on. And so it's, it's great for the companies that are involved. Um, So more, more power to hop in for, for, for attracting attention and and getting that money. And I think, but I think you're going to start to see now the consolidation phase. We've talked about this before. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That because everything's running on a much more condensed time frame, um, uh, the the expansion of what was event apps 
uh, over a decade and then the contraction over the last three years is all happening in one year for these platforms. There was a great expansion, the big bang of the pandemics around about March and April, and now we're starting to see the contraction uh, at where things are consolidating and coming together. And part of that is going to be investment, that if you've been invested, you know, been gifted basically a significant chunk of money, you're going to be much more available to start buying other companies as well. So StreamYard might be the tip of the iceberg. Might be. I'll say something super controversial too. Um, and I don't know if I fully flesh this out, but I'll say it live right now on the, on the air. That never stops I'm, me. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling risky today. I'm yeah. feeling spicy. Yeah. Um, I think that every single time we hear about money getting pummeled into event technology companies, I think we like to think it as that money's coming into the events industry and people are taking notice of the events industry. Right. I don't think that's true. I think that at people who equate event technology is directly in the events industry, I bet you, like you were saying, Goldman Sachs is coming here. They see money. They see the growth of the company. They don't even care that's the events industry. They don't even know what the events industry is. They're just like technology company, high returns, fast growing model. I can make my money back. I'll put in a million dollars and get four million back. And I think that a lot of times when we're sitting here going, oh, my God, look at all the attention the events industry is getting. It never trickles down to production companies, to planners, um, you know, things like that. All it does is continue to blow up more of what we talk only about in this podcast, which is event technology. Yeah, there was one production company that it trickled into. Uh, P.S. They're an AV company. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, now <laughs> who coincidentally changed their name uh, to <laughs> to one of their acquisitions. Um, I'll have you tell me that that joke in the encore session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which so so it's I mean, but again, they're not looking at you know it the same lens through the same lens that we're looking at it they see it as a return on investment situation where we're like oh this company is doing well they seem to be one of the big players in this particular market totally. nobody else seems to be investing in this particular market we should invest in this particular market um yeah but they're not yeah it's not not much deeper than not again uh, if you work for gs or psc or an av company and i'm totally wrong and an idiot on this uh, let me know but i think in general when people invest in your company they want money back yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I think one of the things when it comes to all of this as well is that if, if you're looking for opportunity and you're not one of these event technology companies, because I think like it's, it's, it's kind of ironic. I think like our event, our podcast, where all we do is talk about event technology, how many event technology companies actually listen to us. And but then also we always we try to target this towards non event tech people. Right. But I think one of the things that's it is shows as an opportunity is an opportunity for you to try to w ride this wave of success of what you know Hopin's doing. So, for example, not necessarily like, hey, your company's going to grow massively out, but reach out to Hopin. See, like, hey, is there a way for you to partner together to work together? Like, that's how I brain things when it comes to this. It's like, okay, great for Hopin. Like, how can I make sure that you know this attention goes? Or better yet, how do I ride the wave of you know Hopin spending thousands, thousand dollars on ads? Maybe I have an ad campaign that goes that when people are searching for Hopin. I show up, you know, instead or something like that, right? Like try to dry the oddballs of the non-events industry people that are looking at Hopin to come and look at these other solutions that exist that might help, might be a better option too. And if you can get your name out there in a way that's associated, you know, outside of the industry. Um, so if you can find your way to get into the Wired magazines, the fast companies, the, you know, this, the, the inside the Silicon Valley beltway, um, <laughs> Uh, so that your name would be in front of potential investors um, is, is again, a great way to do it because it's that buzz, right? It's that, oh, I, oh yeah, I've heard of them. 
Um, you know, and people are looking to spend their money in places that aren't Zoom. You know, I mean, to be fair, though, Zoom stock went up because their year over year was up 300 and something percent, you know, or might have been quarter uh, their last quarter. But um, either way, uh, you know, the the more that you can get in front of those types of folks and get into those circles and maybe do events for technology in Silicon Valley and things like that, that's how you're going to get in front of those types of investors. Mm. Totally, totally. I'm, I'm actually reading the article on TechCrunch. If, if you are interested in this investment stuff, I think TechCrunch is probably one of the best publications to, to read. They're just in general, also really good about technology in general too, but one of my favorite blogs to subscribe to. But reading the article about this, this $400 million raise at a $5.6 billion valuation, Couple of really interesting things kind of know me is a these are really big investors that are coming in. So uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, who is like basically people who <laughs> funded Facebook in the early days, right? If you've never seen the Social Network, you'll you'll know obviously Andreessen Horowitz. Um, but um, what's really interesting to me on this is two pieces of information that I think um, is that for most people recognize too is that you see this money and you're like, wow, four hundred million dollars, huge valuation. Apparently in an interview, either I don't it doesn't say when this happened, but they have currently a seventy million dollar annual recurring revenue rate currently. So they're doing seventy million dollars in events just on that platform. And um I think understanding how Hoppin's model works of self serve, like we're not talking that one I doubt one of their contracts is like a million dollar contract. You're talking like there's probably I'm guessing I don't know what the exact would be, seven hundred thousand events. 70,000 events that are probably taking place in a year on their platforms at those much smaller amount, which is really, really crazy. I mean, just the amount of volume that that is, is, is absolutely nuts in comparison to. So I thought that was just interesting piece too. I wasn't sure if you had any comments on, on that one. And then I think this other thing that might be worth talking about too is, uh, is the second piece I'll talk to you. I mean, when I drop this, this potential theory theorization I got going on, please do um, bring it. All right. So, also part of, so I'm reading this also as part of the transaction a recent injuries in Horowitz hire uh, I'm so sorry I'm gonna slaughter your name is it Shram <laughs> Krishnan um, and I you click on the article and it talks about how he just recently got hired but um, in the article that it links to the title is social platform veteran joins as latest partner in Andreessen and Horowitz. So by them putting him on the board he's a social platform person so he has experiences in the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world. I think what's happening is that investors are looking at these platforms not as event platforms. They're looking at them as social networks and social platforms to be able to do it. So I think that's why potentially I haven't seen their pitch deck. I'd be really curious to see if someone can somehow float me the deck that they use to raise all this money. I bet you they're coming in and saying, look, hop in, you sign up for a hop in account and you're good to go. Kind of like how you sign up for an Eventbrite account and you can use that to pay tickets and things like that. And you just have one login for all the events you're subscribing to. I think that's potentially what's happening with Hopin is that they're focusing really hard on the long term, like we're a social platform, not just you, you go to one event and then you're never using the app again, which I think is something that you and I hate, like download the event app. Oh, I never going to use this again, or yeah. oh, make me sign up for another event platform account just so I can only use it once a year. Um, I think they're shooting for this idea that like you leave, you know, the XYZ tech conference, and then you look at it and it says, oh, and by the way, you might like this yoga conference over here, and you're like, oh, I'll just sign up for this one too and come into it. What's what do you kind of think about that? I've I've been formulating a question for you over here in my head, so it's, oh, it's, hard, okay. it's hard for me to break or break out of that. But um, <laughs> it, the I'll try, and then I'll then, come back then to your I question. Can, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. So, you. so 
I think, yeah, I think there's something to that. I, I don't know. These, these questions are actually related. So I'm trying to, trying to bring them together. Um, I don't know which ones are going to be more likely to be that sticky, that sticky place. Um, you know, one of the it's reasons luck. that people like us, like us, like a C-Vent, and we've had the conversation many times of juggernaut versus, uh, you know, patching things together on your own. Um, you know, do you go to an all-in-one turnkey solution or do you, you know, patch things together uh, through, you know, the, the, the different chunks, bits and chunks that you think are the best? There, there's benefits to both. Um, it sounds like what you're kind of talking about is being that all-in-one where like, I'm, if I'm going to download this, onto my phone, it's going to be good for multiple events. It's going to be good for multiple, you know, uses and not just a one-time use for this one conference. There's a benefit to that. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now where I'm going to take it around and where mm -hmm. this is kind of connected is as we start to, you know, kind of wrap things out, you've, I'm just going to say, congratulations, Mr. Curran, you have won the lottery. You've, you've, you've got uh, $140 million um, for the rest of your life, you know, every year. So you now have an opportunity to invest. What type of event technology would you invest in, <laughs> given the, the, the bucket of money? And these are connected. Oh, I, I, the, I, these, these questions uh, are actually connected. Question. This is such a hard question. Um, Do you want to noodle on that and I can pontificate? I'll take a stab okay, at go it. For it. Um, is I think I'm going to pick at the one that can grow beyond just the events industry too. That like, I don't know, has definitely some sort of proprietary technology is huge, right? Like that like no one else can replicate. But like it's something that it's not just the events industry. It would be like something like, so like I'll, I'll, I'll use, I don't think it's a good example, but like I almost like would, invest in like a webex because they're like on every news station and it always says provided by webex so the streaming right. you know so it gets used for broadcast television it becomes a critical part of their workflow but also is also used for events that's why i think i would think is that stretches try to biggest market possible you'd invest in the in the pipeline you'd invest in the infrastructure the the yeah. the, the, the the plumbing yeah. um that's getting people online that's getting the presenters to the conference and things like yeah. that yeah i would invest in the, I would start looking at the event apps that pivoted mm -hmm. and start going through those and looking for the ones that I thought had the best shot of pulling through as we come back to live. Like the survival aspect. See, bad, bad brand, bad brand, not live, in person. <laughs> in person. Um, so as we come back to in-person events, um, I'm going to be looking very closely at the event apps that added on an online video component, because I think those are the ones that are gonna succeed in a hybrid environment. The ones that can provide Q&A, polling, all of the stuff that we were looking at for interactivity and engagement in our in-person events, translated to an online event that can also be viewed uh, yeah. remotely. So that way, the in-person audience and the remote audience are using the same platform. Um, so because you're not going to, you know, use one of the, the big online platforms to do that because sure. nobody's going to be sitting in the audience with, you know, their viewer open in a web browser watching, watching what the they're watching on a, <laughs> yeah, on a yeah. 15 second delay. You know, it's just not going to work. So you need, you're going to need the ability to turn on and turn off these, these features based on which audience you are. And I think the ones that are going to have the like easiest, location based, right. The ones that are going to be 
they have the easiest time doing that are going to be the ones that have just recently added that that functionality. And so for the in-person audience, they're going to drop back to what was the event app experience. Here's where the, here's the map of the convention center. Here's my agenda. Here's maybe some networking or uh, or a fun gamification thing. You know, all of the things that we've gotten used to seeing in our event app uh, platforms. And then the online audience has access to all of that as well, plus the video component of being able to watch online. Uh, thing. So that's that's where I think the companies, it's not going to be the incumbent online platforms. Sure. They'll be just fine for fully online events. They will continue to be making money hand over fist for fully online events because that's not going away anytime soon. But as we move into hybrid, I think it's going to be the event app companies that bolted on a quality online experience. That's such a good point too because like I think about it too that as an investor too, I want like resilience. I want a company that's going to continue to grow and not like just die out. But also the people that were in-person event apps that tacked on virtual and grew out of that also likely are the ones who are going to be more resilient too to, to the change. Because if you just came purely as virtual only, and like you said, now you have to snap all these in-person features, that's like the equivalent of an in-person company having to go virtual but the other way around. So it's like, I think that can create a lot of stress and can create a lot of friction while other companies are just racing back to doing what they're doing. So I think that brings up such a good point. Like, that's why I think it's so interesting to watch all these companies now race to be like, yeah, we're a platform, but we don't do registration. Oh, shoot. We need a registration platform <laughs> <laughs> because like, if we don't have that, you're going to get dropped. You're going to, you're the, out in the first round of the RFP because they're like, look, I'd just rather have an all in one platform altogether right. for sure. Um, I'll throw a one B on that. So, so the other places I would be looking if I had a crap ton of money to invest are the companies that didn't pivot and survived. Oh yeah. So Jesus, the registration, yeah. so the registration platforms that didn't feel the need to bolt on uh, a video platform over the top, which there are a few and they, they not only made as much money as they were going to make before, but maybe a little more even than what they were going to do. They just mm -hmm. did it in the on with online events as opposed to in-person events. They just said, hey, we're still just a registration platform. We're still just an engagement app, um, but not only survived, but thrived. And there mm -hmm. are a few of those. And so that's going to show, like you said, it's going to show fortitude. It's going to show survivability. It's going to uh, show you know, savvy on how to get through tough times. And then those that actually succeeded are going to come out of this even better. And, you know, they're, they're, hey, we, if we can survive that and do well, imagine how it's going to be when we come back to in-person events. So true. So true. That's such an interesting question of what would you invest your money in? Uh, by the way, for all of our investors who are listening right now, uh, we will take our 5% cut of <laughs> all the investments that make you millions of dollars. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Let us know. Hashtag Event Tech Podcast. What would you invest your money in? Um, and uh, we accept PayPal, uh, Venmo. Um. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's these be like some SEC like fine print warning. Probably, <laughs> probably. probably. I don't think so. I don't, this is not obviously like thinking, we're, not, yeah. we're not investors. We don't we don't Correct. do this for a living. Like you know all those things. I don't think any of these companies are public anyway. So I don't think you can like right. really go ahead and do it. But if this somehow one of these companies eventually goes public or whatever, is we we're not investors. We're don't not blame us. Into anything. Don't blame us. All that sort of stuff. Um, Super duper interesting though, but yeah, I, I think it'll be really interesting what continues to happen in the events industry, in the event tech industry specifically. I should stop saying the events industry when it comes to investments and money and everything like that moving forward. But like you said, I think it's only going to continue to come in. There'll be silent people getting money on their own, not saying anything, and 
I, I, I think, yeah, where it's just going to be a really, really interesting place to see. And I, I have a feeling that consolidation episode will be coming in the near future as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think the, the, the recap takeaways from my part are, you know, money doesn't equal quality. Um, so just be wary just because someone's getting a bunch of money doesn't necessarily mean they're good. Doesn't mean they're bad either, but you know, just, just be wary of that and then watch what they do with it. You know, what does it mean once they get that investment? What are they investing in? One of the biggest criticisms that I hear of the event technology companies, especially the online platforms is not very great customer service. So I would love to see a hop in press release saying we've hired 300 new customer service representatives to help with technical support and you know that kind of thing because yeah. you can do amazing things with that amount of money uh to increase the customer experience um so so i'll be watching into you know with with great uh curiosity to see you know what we see from them moving on and the other companies that we've seen significant investment in um you know what do they use that money for and how do they improve the product um, as opposed to potentially just improving their bank accounts, <laughs> or uh, investing in snap pods, <laughs> or, yeah, or just buying other, yeah, buying other companies. Well, you, you heard it here first. We'd love to hear from you via email and what your thoughts are. As always, Event Tech Podcast at HelloEndless.com. But Brant, it has been such a pleasure as always to have a conversation with you and um, getting to talk a little bit about it. And uh, thank you for being so spicy today. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as fiery as I, as I was worried I was going to be. Um, the so Vet Tech Podcast soothes your voice. You yes. just hear, you know, that intro yes. and your mind melts away. Yep. <laughs> the, soothing, well, the soothing dulcet tones of Will Kern. So true, so true. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. All of our listeners, you are fantastic as well. And we'll see you next time on the event tech podcast thanks again for listening to the event tech podcast be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode we'll see you next week on the event tech podcast